you, you clap too. I clap. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, two, one, one. That's pretty good. That's, that's, that's whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah, you can sync it up for like the first ten seconds, I guess. Yeah. Starting is always the fucking hardest. Have you seen that one Louis C.K. bit where he's like, "I never know how to start a show." It's weird. Um, right. Yeah. It's like the first five minutes of a date. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Richard, do you know what the you know what the funniest part of doing an office Congo line is? When you look back and you realize you're doing it alone, and you're not in an office, you're in a psychiatric hospital. Home's delivery really helps here. Um, how was your? Uh, how you been? I, I had a I had a wild night last night at an orgy. Um, it was me, my laptop, my app ad, and uh, my TV while my phone watched. It was fun, fun. It was a good time. Is this is this the 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 norm sequence? This is um, two. I don't know if it. I, mean, I don't think he did those two ever in a row. But those were two jokes from like a collection of uh, just like best of. Yeah, he there's just I think he's like there is a spectrum of delivery to just joke. um, I don't know, essence. And Norm is on the side of the spectrum. That's just delivery. Like he can he can make something innocuous and because he does a lot of anti-humor stuff like I'm sure you've seen his Conan interview where he's doing that bug uh, joke like or the bug the goes moth. Into, or is it fly the, the moth. moth the moth goes the whole point is that the, it's a moth yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's just his delivery and how, how much he just convinces you of the the lack of humor and humor at the same time it's really good definitely well um should I do my my welcome? Welcome everyone to the Never From Concentrate podcast. I am Valentine. I am Ratchet. And uh, we haven't done one of these in a while. Uh, mm. Longer break than usual this time. Um, but we thought mm-hmm. we would uh, come back together. And How long has it actually been? It's probably been three years, four years. Uh, check check the last time. But we thought we'd um, we'd uh, get back together like um and what's a good group that got back together i don't know um backstreet boys backstreet yeah, yeah. Back i just don't want to say backstreet because it's it's gonna i don't know, just seem... I don't know. they have it in the psyche with backstreet's back that's true may, may the last podcast was march 27th 2017 so almost three years to the day ish oh, that's weird so that is weird March 21st today, yeah. Um, yeah. Strange. So how are you doing in the midst of the current pandemonium? Doing all right. Been playing a lot of Pandemic, yeah, which has been fun. It's a good board game. Well, I highly recommend it. Watching Contagion on, on Netflix? Well, I actually watched Contagion like months ago because I had, I don't know, maybe it, was a, maybe it was a really severe case of corona and I don't know about it. But I had a really bad case of the flu like two or three months ago in January when Corona was just like, a, what's happening in China? Um, and I watched Pandemic, the Netflix documentary about all the epidemiologists and doctors and 
how they would kind of respond to one in the future and contagion while really 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 sick and it was nice great context and and that really prepared me for a lot of the the hoopla to come <laughs> i feel at least yeah i feel like everyone i talk to has some story like that and in, in myself included where it's like yeah at some point i felt like i had it now i'm fine um and uh the uh, which brings me to that. Did you read the article that I shared mm-hmm. with you? And I think, yeah, when I was, um, I'm kind of really, do you want to summarize the article a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah. So this was, um, uh, this was a article, I guess it's a blog post. Not really. It's, it's on this long form. What's, what's the actual, um, it's called the long now foundation, right? People may have heard of it from the long bets. I've seen those around on the internet um, where you can uh, place a bet over, I don't know, a decade or something like that. I think Warren Buffett has a bet um, on that service uh, that has to do with whether or not index funds will uh, do better than any particular uh, investment fund. But anyways, so this was supposed to make things long term thinking more common hope to foster responsibility the framework of the next 10,000 years yeah so they have this one this blog post called an epidemic of false confidence related to COVID-19 which I shared with um, Ruchit and uh, this was something actually I found through Hacker News uh, and people were talking about just some of the statistics and and in general I'm I'm kind of getting frustrated with it seems like where there's just like since it's it's sensationalized, but it's I think deeper than that. It, it almost feels like you know when people talk about serial killers, and then mm-hmm. uh, there's this like oh this guy killed 24, but this guy killed 18, you know. And, and we're sort of this virus thing is now feels kind of like that. Like it's this gross. Today, you know, 12 more people or uh, someone was passing around a link with like a live tracker with like big red numbers of like, you know, deaths. And it's just, just one of the, apart from just feeling gross, I think one of the problems that this uh, article points out is that we're so unsure of exactly um, how many people have been exposed to the virus. And perhaps like uh, what you just mentioned, maybe some people have already developed antibodies for it and um, have already gone through this infection and, you know, it spread much earlier than we thought it did. And right now we're mm-hmm. basically just catching up. You know, the tests are ramping up. But critically, we still don't have a widely available test for antibodies. So the only testing, is, uh, I think as of today is March 21st, that I've seen is, has been tests for, uh, they're called RNA tests, where, where you actually test whether or not you have um, that virus currently in your um, in your body, but they don't test for whether or not you have developed the antibodies for um, for that virus. And so perhaps there's a lot more people who have actually been exposed and therefore um, some of these mortality rates and uh, uh, yeah, th- things like mortality rates have been uh, either grossly exaggerated, not exaggerated, but basically it's very difficult to, to, to compute those um, statistics. And that's what this article was, was uh, pointing out that we're not, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in this and therefore we should um, not be, so fast to kind of um, make conclusions about the severity of the virus, either negative or, or positive. And at the same time, he 
said all the public health measures should be followed. It's yeah. just more how we are trying to think in both optimistic and pessimistic senses. And even I think from what I understand from reading anything about this, watching all the documentaries and contagion, whatever, uh, is you don't know anything for certain until the whole virus is passed through the entire population. Like you have to wait for a long time or not necessarily a long time. I don't know exactly the context, but after it's made its way through and then you know what the actual or not the basic reproduction number is and yeah. where it kind of did its damage once you know how our bodies respond to it, if we have a vaccine for it. All that things, all those come after the fact, which is, I mean, the I think the response is very human in that you want to try to have understanding as quick as possible and to wait in gray areas when you don't know and just be like, hey, I I'm, don't know what this murderous virus is going to do or not murderous virus or it's the Russians or what. I don't know. There's a spectrum of. It's you, Valentin. You're doing all of it. Um, so, I mean, yeah. uh, okay. That's yeah. what happens, though. Like, it, it, people need an answer. I, I agree. Like, just being like, we don't know right now. And I, I mean, I... Relax. I, I'm a hypocrite because I, like, one of the things I do every day is go to Wikipedia and check the, like, latest numbers, you know? <laughs> I'm like, why am I doing this? Well, the, <laughs> but it, t it does tell you s at least some reproductive rate estimate like there's some sort of i don't know confidence interval i don't know that it's happening within obviously at some point it will but a lot of the it can give this sense this is what i i don't know kind of feeling is that it might give this sense of anxiety that's not really warranted because a lot of the number growth is associated with increased testing yeah yeah exactly yeah. And, and um yeah and so therefore there, there might be like a tendency to feel like I don't know, it's like a war and we're losing and like, you know, we're all sitting here and like it's the end of the world and et cetera. And so that's what, uh, I don't know if there's a way to kind of uh, help with that. I think one of the things is maybe featuring more stories about people who've actually had it and uh, have recovered. I've seen mm -hmm. a few things online about people just saying like, you know, I had these symptoms, I'm fine, et cetera, et cetera. And I think just having more of those uh, may help people understand that, you know, it's, it is possible to, obviously it's possible, but still like having a human perspective of like someone who's gone through it, um, might just help, uh, mitigate. Yeah. I, I read, I read a couple of those, even one that was from, um, Jocelyn's friends, like just friend at work friend. And it was somebody who had it fairly bad. Mm -hmm. And that what does that was, mean? Like they were in the ICU, or I mean, fairly bad in the context of a young person, I guess. Um, so they did they go to the hospital or not? They did go to the hospital eventually when they got that. It happened over a couple of weeks, uh, where I think the symptoms were not that bad for the first little while, and then it it just like ramped up. Right. Um, and then that's when they got the test and then kind of telehealth was on the phone with them daily afterwards. Uh, and it was just very achy, um, like their entire body was kind of shot, the energy levels and whatnot. And it was, a, it was a very massive shock to the system. But they kept saying how help, helpful like telehealth was and 
um, public health officials and whatnot. I would be curious to know more about, I've heard only a little bit about South Korea's testing situation, and they, they seem to be on top of testing as much as possible, so you have a better sense of what those numbers actually mean yeah, South Korea there, relative to like I don't know in the states where they're they're barely testing things, so you, their numbers are like meaningless more or less because they are also testing after the fact. Yeah, versus South Korea was like proactive with their testing. Well, and not just uh, South Korea was great at that too, but also we have the example which the article pointed to this uh, cruise ship, a number of cruise ships, but specifically this right. Diamond Princess cruise ship where they tested everybody on the cruise ship, and so there. It's still not a perfect sample, obviously, but it might actually be a more, it's it's a slightly older, um, I think the average age was like in the late 50s or something like that um, for this cruise ship. And out of, uh, I think it's now up to nine people who died out of uh, 4,000 that were on the cruise ship and something like uh, uh, 700 um, who were infected. So... But it's unclear. Seven died. Seven died. Three hundred became. I think sick. it's actually, if you check Wikipedia, this is part of my stats every day. There's uh, two more oh, okay. who have died since. Um, but oh, but see, it's I almost see. like I don't. You know, we, we shouldn't get into those. It's kind of morbid um, stats. Just it feels kind of disrespectful, even to just be like, oh, nine. You know, and it's like two people's lives that we're just kind of. Yeah, especially in the single digits. If you're in the single digits, you should you should know something. A little, a little bit. Like what, what, what did they eat for breakfast? I'm not, but you know, it's like on their cruise ship. It's funny. Uh, I was thinking about this early on. If you're gonna, if you want to, you know, if you had to choose a time to be infected with this, it's much better to be infected early on because then there's so much attention given to you. You're gonna have all the, you know, respirators <laughs> available, um, and so. It's almost like if you're thinking of it from a game theory perspective of like, let's say you just accept that, you know, this is going to go rampant and 30% of the population is going to get it um, or at least be exposed to it or something like that. There's some perverse incentive to actually get exposed to it early so that if you do have really terrible, a terrible reaction to it, you get, you know, access to, <laughs> to uh, healthcare, which is terrible, obviously. Um, but it's a thought that went through my mind. I mean, that's a, a way, if if it also corresponds with you developing antibodies and not spreading once you are isolated for a period of time after you've developed it and yeah. had the symptoms and gone through it, then you should be buying, I don't know, yeah. tickets to travel the world so, very cheaply. Well, well I mean, I, th- I, that's, that's I like a silly thing, but I think a more realistic thing is also like once we get these... Uh, serological tests tests for the antibodies i think that's when people are going to start to feel like okay you know if, if if you're certain that you actually have some form of immunity to it then you can go back into you know these can be Normal. some of the first yeah. people go back and and uh, feel comfortable um you know at least helping out in like the critical parts of the economy and things like that um but yeah, so uh, the other thing I want to talk about with respect to the uh, uh, the pandemic was this idea of um, voice conversations, and uh, more and more people are now obviously uh, doing video chats and things like that. But I sent you an article from the New Yorker about uh, in defense or in in um, 
uh, kind of espousing the the benefits of voice chat, where people people have sort of stopped doing that, or at least recently, more and more people are texting instead of instead of calling. And I had a conversation with my professor, and we ended up calling each other because there's some latency issues, and I t- just wanted to. I saw this article like the next day and I was like, yeah, that's, that's right. There's something really nice about this old school, like even a landline, you know, there's no, I don't remember when we were kids, no one was like, oh man, you know, call me at six. So, or, or like set up somewhere in your house to make sure that, you know, there's no signal issues or anything like that. It was just, it was something that worked reliably and you could just talk to somebody and there was some intimacy there with, with a voice chat that I think, um, you, you know, even we're on video chat right now and it's, I'm not sure what the, there's something nice about seeing your face, but like, I don't, we're kind of, you get like, go ahead. The problem is that it's seeing your own face. Yes, exactly. That's what's more distracting. Exactly. Yeah. If I didn't see my own face, I would, I would be curious to know the stats of how often am I looking at you and how often am I looking at myself just being like do i look stupid or i don't even know it's yeah, just yeah, so totally. weird it's like when somebody calls your name in a party or something like what Will you say something it's like it's my face i don't know i need to be cognizant of it yeah i agree i i haven't subscribed to a lot of texting and i i think in the because like we grew up in the texting generation and i i don't know i've always been for this kind of sense of articles not necessarily landlines i think that that is like a a, a more sexy idea and way more expensive like it doesn't it's not really practical i think um, i mean but we're just calling people for decades what do you mean it's not practical well if you're gonna have a phone a mobile phone and a landline today oh, oh that's seems, what you mean like, i see, I see. Yeah, okay. yeah it, it i i i get the idea behind it and that is it's like shooting film all the time it's like all right like sometimes you just want to take you just want to take a picture on your phone um have you seen the show love is blind on netflix i was i was literally we were watching it right now and i was going to bring it out yeah because that is also the premise of my dating app idea (laughs) i don't know if you remember i told you this but it's a phone call for five minutes the sex and then and then you see their profile picture so you rent you would log on this app and you'd be like, okay, ring me up, and I'm going to have a five-minute phone call with a person. And then after the phone call, then you see their whole dating app and profile, and then you can text if you want to afterwards and see if they, I don't know, understand English and can <laughs> literate. No, um, I, I buy it. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that would be interesting for sure. I think, I mean, how far... Would you use that right now, like if that existed? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd try it. I think so. Uh, it would be really the the one flaw in it is that it's pretty devastating (laughs) if you really hit it off with somebody you're not physically attracted to them well no like if you really hit it off with somebody and then you aren't physically attracted to them and then you reject them then it's like as clear as possible like you are rejecting them for their physical appearance because if you if you have an incredible chemistry then why why would you on that level so i i don't know if people can handle that kind of blow but i do think the types of dynamics that would result in an app like that would be interesting did you watch all of love is blind like have you seen all of it it, yeah 
Okay, how, so we, how far, we just started. How far are you into it? First episode. I don't like anybody though. That's my problem with it. Which it's is wor- that I. D- it's worth. It's worth watching. Like it's tra- It's someone asked me, is it more or less trashy than The Bachelor? And I think it's like both. It's it's <laughs> it's like it's sometimes it's it's um there's much more heartfelt um discussions of like actual you know. I don't know relationship stuff, and you're like, oh, this is cool, and then other times you're like, this is just, you know, stupid. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. I I get the I get the premise of trash television and the entertainment value and judgment and its glory and all of that. But it's I would just want a few people to root for that I actually I don't know they have a sense of charm. I, that about them and there's nobody that has there's one couple that develops that uh is like the fan favorite especially online i won't reveal it if you haven't if you only see the first so so there is there's some protagonist and antagonist i just don't like that um bartlett what's his name barnett barnett it's actually his last name yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. anyways Uh, he just seemed he just seemed a little bit too cocky and you're not that funny man i'm sorry you're not that funny keep watching though it's good it's it's like um i'll I'll say this it's not um people they do kind of uh you get a fully kind of not one-dimensional view of everybody so okay i uh yeah i wouldn't be so quick to like make completely dismiss the show the the show because you might not like the way someone appears immediately because they do kind of develop more human you know fair yeah 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 okay anyways it's okay it's not an amazing show but it's it's definitely like just yeah it's it's something to turn your turn your brain off to yeah yeah definitely um okay so the other thing um so today we wanted to do like an opening. We're just gonna copy very bad wizards. Where, where's your Where's your beats, Valentine? I know you're I know. The, you're the you're the professor with the beats. <laughs> well, you're also the professor, but with the uh, um, the uh, uh, what's the dark web intellectual dark web stepmother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rhonda Johnson. <laughs> Shout out to Rhonda. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so uh, yeah, no, I we wanted to dif- do a few uh, talk about a few things and then get into a uh, discussion of a movie that we both watched uh, called Persona, uh, which is a movie from the '60s by a Swedish director Ingmar Bergman. But one last thing I want to discuss is uh, I don't know if you can tell my voice I'm a little I'm actually I have like the shakes a little bit right now, but I've been fasting. Oh yeah, I forgot about your <laughs> yeah endeavor i've been fasting for it's now going to be like 26 hours or yeah, 25 hours uh and i'm trying to do it for 48 hours and uh do you want to know why <laughs> yeah okay i've okay waited for this i know i know it's not recording. it's actually not you know the reason's not uh, profound or anything like that it's just well i think it is profound but it's not surprising Can you give me two reasons and one of them is made up and i have to figure it out yeah I one is um I have a tapeworm I'm trying to kill <laughs> no <laughs> um no I I don't know I just been thinking more and more about redemptive suffering so kind of as a muscle so as a f- working out a certain type of muscle for discipline but also for 
things that you might know provide like long-term benefits, but are really hard to uh, do sometimes because it's it's just day-to-day, it sucks, or like hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute. Um, and the other thing is I, I the reason why I did this now especially was because if, with this quarantine or, you know, stay-at-home uh, business, I felt kind of, you know, that vacation feeling of like the only thing I'm thinking about is the next time I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. And I didn't want to be, I just felt like I was being a slave to food. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't like this feeling because I, you know, we both love cooking and we love the, but I don't, so I, I love that aspect, but I don't want to feel like I just need to like put stuff in my mouth. I just want to be like free of that. And I thought, okay, let me try for 48 hours just to be like, fuck you, food. <laughs> Why 48 and not 24? Because 24 seemed enough. too easy. And I agree. It's too easy. 24 hours. Like we basically, if you sleep a lot, like you're, you're almost there. I mean, 24 seems incredibly difficult for me. It's, <laughs> that is, if you distract yourself, it's like there's like half an hour today where I was not feeling good at all i was like this sucks like <laughs> i need to sleep or something or and then like it just comes in waves because think about it like a thousand years ago whatever not a thousand years ago but you know ten thousand years ago you're not eating every day that's ridiculous you're there's probably like months where you eat every day but then there's other times where you might have to go a day or two without food so there's no way our bodies can't you know not eat for a day that's I just felt like yeah i'm not I that like, it's not capable of it what yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that our bodies are not capable of it. It's. It's. No, I know. Yeah, right. My perceived level of difficulty of being a very spoiled 2020 humanoid. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like um, it's nice. Like I, this, that idea, that redemptive suffering idea is also for me become more like philosophical in terms of. I think I derive a lot of meaning from things that. Um, what are you trying to redeem? Well, like Your, the suffering, the suffering, the, like mat- the suffering is turned into something that's, um, uh, becomes not suffering and <laughs> becomes meaning. Uh, so it's like, uh, you're, I don't know, deriving meaning from that suffering. And I think, yeah, the idea being that oftentimes if you just surround yourself with things that feel good, you're constantly, it's my it's it's like a fleeting feeling of like oh this feels good but like it's never enough etc etc whereas Mm -hmm. putting yourself through some form of like suffering it feels really fulfilling and i think when i look back and i like some of the stuff like we did like tough mutter or whatever you know that's like a really Mm -hmm. isolated example but i think you can do that in so many different parts where you just like challenge yourself it's like yeah let's try this well proactive wallet theory yeah and then all the food exactly you all of a sudden you realize how tasty everything is because you're like fuck i couldn't eat any of this shit i i felt the same way with veganism so i challenged myself to be uh like vegan for uh about a month and a half between the time my defense was scheduled and when my defense happened and uh mm-hmm. yeah it was just it was nice to feel like i i wasn't you know i i can I'm not a slave to cheese or some shit. You know, I'm not like, it's there. It's even like I'm living in a house where it's, all this stuff is here and I can just not eat it. There's something really, 
comforting. Even if I will eat it eventually, there's a comfort in knowing like I am, if I want to, I don't have to do this. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe having that, doing that in little short bursts for me, I hope will translate to like when it's really tough, you know, and you might have to do other things that are much more challenging. You can draw on those kind of experiences. That's, that's the idea, but it's, I don't know. Don't fucking eat for two days. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there, there's just some, something in, in the discipline of it all that, I think is good for any kind of um, human psyche for productivity or just that, like mental health, all, all that. Like it's, it's just an overall great thing. Cause you just eat, eat you know, consume too much. Yeah. Um, whether it's, you know, even just like exactly. art. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's that vacation feeling of like, it's not just food. It's like, all I'm doing is consuming. You know, it's like, a, even mm-hmm. if you're reading or something like, you know, you just still feel like I'm, uh, I'm not putting out anything to the world. All I'm doing is like shit just like arrives in the house and I just put it into me, like into my eyes, into my mouth, you know? And I, and I just wanted to like stop that. I was like, no, I'd, like this is one thing I can control. I know it's going to be challenging, but it's definitely not going to kill me. <laughs> try, try if you're if you're looking for something after this, and I've been curious about it, but I'm not going to do this anytime soon. So I'm just going to live vicariously through you. No, uh, a silent silent retreat, right. fast. Oh, silent. No, fast. just uh, even even wi- like living your not life normally outside of. Um, I don't know. Like I guess maybe Corona might be a little bit more different. Um, to do that kind of fast with but like you theoretically just go through your week but just wouldn't talk to anybody uh, verbally okay so you can you can still eat you're just saying you, you just mute. yeah it's just a different mute, yeah it's just right. a mute yeah um yeah, that, version of it that would be tough for me yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, it it would be interesting in seeing i guess just like the the, the intuitive thing is how much you have to listen and like how le- how much more thought you have to take into in the same way that you have to do when you write Mm -hmm. but then you'd have to write to speak in like you'd write on a whiteboard or you'd write on i don't know a notepad of some kind um yeah that's an interesting one as well i'm i i I, i'll try to i i hear you i hear you with your fast my parents have fasted on mondays forever i don't know what it's for it's some hindu something but Mm -hmm. It just seems like a nice, like once a w- they eat one meal, that's their fast. So it's not a crazy thing, right. but it's still a thing of like every Monday, they're only eating one meal. My mom eats one meal a day anyways, um, just because she's, I don't know, crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, she eats fruits and stuff in the, the morning and whatnot. But yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I But uh, certainly I feel that more than ever. Like the the, the kind of... You know, not um, just training yourself to to do stuff that you want to do, but like it's just hard. You know, like there's so many things where it's just like, why didn't you do that? It's like I don't know, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, are you masturbating during this forty eight <laughs> hours? Uh, so far, no. So okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
more impressive. Yeah, no, definitely no fab, more no food. <laughs> no, do, no FF. You do lose fluids, though. <laughs> no, I've been drinking. I've never. been drinking a lot. I've been drinking water because I was reading alcohol. About, <laughs> no, just getting no, waste. No. Just on a forty-eight hour bender. No, that'd be fucked. Uh, uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, the talking thing is interesting too. You know what? Um. Because I was just thinking about my defense. You know, I told you that story. Um, about how one of the uh, professors asked me a question which I couldn't answer, and I said I I don't know, and he seemed to be happy with that, or at least stopped asking me, <laughs> and then later on told me, you know what, that that was a tough question. I you know I didn't expect you to know, but I wanted you to not bullshit. And part of right. the, I think that's also really it takes a while. I was not good at this for a long time. I still am not that good at it, but I've been trying to train myself to. You know, just the classic stuff. Take a second, think about it. Don't panic. You know, um, don't say anything that you're not sure of. Don't say "I guess" or "kind of," because mm-hmm. um, that just projects. It's not just that it projects. It's it's just um, it's not effective. Don't say anything if you think it's "I guess," um, and so that also I think has to do with this idea of like just don't don't open your mouth and vomit <laughs> the second that there's mm-hmm. like any silence. You know, just just keep it in mm-hmm. and like be comfortable and not knowing yep. and saying you don't know yeah that's like it's it's like almost like 50 percent of what i te- what i teach is like if you don't know it just say you don't know and that is Man. i struggle with it i want to pretend like i know things yep. like i get it yeah but it's such a hard thing to strip uh, yourself of there's like an ego attached to it there's like a politeness I guess in a teaching context specifically of like somebody's talking for a while, you want to say that you get it. Otherwise, you're like, you know, kind of being rude to this person who's been speaking. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. But there are uh, ways so to... So persona. Yeah, yeah. Final final thought before we move on to persona. I know we, we need to, but I just want to do one last thing, which is not to shit talk our fellow podcasters, but no, one, no one's going to listen to this. Um, remember how we said how um, hello no one Sam Harris is uh, um, has the vibe of like he's trying to be a professor so he's trying to sound more like erudite and stuff like that whereas mm-hmm. Very Bad Wizards Dave and, and Tamler are, are kind of already professors and they're trying to sound more cool it's Mr. Dave and Mr. <laughs> Tamler we still have less than five listeners no but right. I think it is easier you know, the second I passed that defense, I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, it's so easy. Just say you don't know. You know? But like, it's uh, when you're in that moment, and especially when there's like some gate, you know, there's gatekeeping that's happening, and you wanna mm-hmm. you wanna be on one side right. of that gate. Uh, it does. It's really difficult to just say like, I don't know, because it, yeah, it's you have to be really, really confident in your own kind of like place in the world. Yeah. Yeah, there's this one last 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 thing before we move on. One um, PPS friend, yeah, PSS is it PSS post postscriptum? It's PPS. Yeah, um, one friend of mine in university who was brilliant at doing that. He would just to a professor just. He, the professor would, or even I think it was professor and TA would just explain something, and he'd be like, "I don't get it," and then he. They try it again and be like, I still don't get it. Yeah. And then like, and he'd ask a question. Like he, he wouldn't be completely like, just, I don't get it. I don't have nothing to say about it. Right. But just had no, like zero ego. 
and it was just so endearing. I was like, I, I bring him up to this, like I bring him up right now. I bring him up to all my students. It's like, like something to to model behavior around. It's the B word though, because um, obviously, I mean, I've had students as a TA and as an instructor where sometimes you can tell there are certain people who are more willing to speak, and then. Um, you know, people are uh, just will instinctively just be like, "Oh, I don't, I don't understand." Or like, if if there's, it's a, it's a fine balance. It's a fine balance between yeah. being honest and yeah, yeah, and in attempting know, to time. come up with a question. That's the biggest thing. Is that are you just saying I don't know blankly, or are you saying I don't know with thought? And there's a question to address what you think you don't know or what is confusing. That's where that's where the balance, at least for me, is. Otherwise, you're just saying I don't know and be like, tell me, point, point to me, point to the end. Yeah, like give me the final answer. Okay, well, this uh, opening ten minute segment became thirty six minutes, but um, <laughs> well, you can <laughs> let's, you can do some ad, you can do some editing if you yeah, want. Yeah, we'll to. definitely edit that down. Um, it'll just be us shitting on Sam Harris. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, Persona. So, did you, you watched it today or or last night or when? Today. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I sent you that YouTube link, but I think the close captioning was like a little funky at some point. No, it worked great. Okay. I mean, it was just only when she was reading a story or reading a letter or reading from something that it had some kind of bookend um, caption quotes. And I don't know what was that, but you could still read everything in between. Everything else was fine. The translation was also like really well done. Yeah. Um, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is just, it's very just beautiful, like thoughts. And that's why I, I figured you also really liked it a lot. Cause it's a lot of, um, kind of poetic prose and, in, in, in a lot of the script. Yes. And I had never, I had heard of this guy, Ingmar Bergman. I had never seen any of his movies. And the reason why I watched this one was a friend of mine shared this service called Canopy, which, um, you can, it's like a free service you can get through the public library or through your university. And, um, this was available through U of T through my university. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I was going to send it to you through there. I thought maybe TPL, the Toronto library had it, but it, anyways, I watched it through that service, um, just out of curiosity. And then I Wikipedia it. And there was this quote about how this is the Mount Everest of cinematic analysis. That was the quote. And I thought it would be mm-hmm. really interesting to talk about. Um, do we want to do, do you want to do a quick summary? Yeah. So there, uh, and remind me the characters. Al, Al, Alma. Alma's the Alma nurse. and Elizabeth. Yeah. Alma Elizabeth. and Elizabeth. Okay. Yes. Elizabeth. Yeah. So there is a uh, nurse, um, Alma. Mm-hmm. She is tasked to treat this theater actress who has stopped talking um, after one show where she laughed herself off stage and she stopped talking for several weeks when she's starting to treat her. And she initially, the Alma is a very kind of bubbly and talkative and um, I don't know, kind of simple seeming person. And she gets told by uh, the doctor that's, um, overseeing Elizabeth's treatment to go to her, uh, I guess, beach house. I don't know what that exactly was. Yeah, I think but so. Some, See, like, whatever. Yeah, Swedish version ha- of beach house. 
which just seems like they all have everyone lives in a beach house yeah, in, in Sweden. Democratic socialism. Everyone just gets a beach house. <laughs> beach house and bread. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they go. Her Alma and Elizabeth go to this beach house where Elizabeth is also deemed at this point to be completely healthy and normal. There's nothing wrong with her other than the fact that she's refusing to talk and kind of engaging in her normal behavior, uh, our normal behavior as like one would be in society. Uh, and they kind of, they have a lot of conversations through the time. There is kind of weird um, flirtations that are kind of meldings in ways um, a lot of uh, shots of hands and like the emphasis of hands, yep. which was just very, very obviously like some sort of motif of some kind. Uh, and yeah, they it, it, it I think turns that, in, in into different corners through through the middle and the end. Um, I think at one point kind of they the say just on the hand point. I think at one point Elizabeth or maybe Alma says you shouldn't compare hands; it's considered bad luck. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it's um, uh, a movie. Eventually, turns into: Are they? You know, are they the same person? Is one a persona of the other? Who is the persona of who? Um, how are? How is Alma? You know, going through so, you know some of the things that happened in her life. She had kind of some affair that she's trying to talk talk through um with elizabeth who's just kind of listening this entire time her husband comes at one point refers to her, her refers to alma as elizabeth um in a in a very strange like you'd have to see it in the way that it was shot but like there's a you know a hand that comes to grab her and you you see a kind of like on the right side just elizabeth closer to the screen and the the husband and Alma kind of talking as if it's only just the two of them and there's some persona outside outside the two of them which would be Elizabeth kind of judging or thinking or trying to find its way into it I, yeah it was it was really interesting um, yeah just a lot of a lot of just the 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 pros that they were just kind of talking and it was like I have to like pause it and be like oh that's really nice and pretty and interesting to just just think about like you can just stop and take any i don't know little monologue that alma would have because it's mostly alma just talking and you could have your own little essay about just that because it's just it's just so rich and it's almost too rich at times where i'm like i can't what do you want (laughs) like i can't keep up with this like yeah. yeah, I mean, really, really good, obviously. But so there's this one scene um, that's like kind of the the uh, pinnacle of Alma's uh, speech as when she describes uh, a particular affair she had um, when they're both drunk. Or, Very hot. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I was like, this is so. I think titillating is like the most. That's the most appropriate Jesus. word. It was like. And so I read a bit about that. I don't know if you saw. Um, and so that was cut. Um, so in the initial, when they released in the U.S. at some points, that was cut. And that was like a big um, controversial whole like speech. Um, mm-hmm. And Bergman was insistent that that was, he like rewrote that a few times and was insisting that that's like critical to the whole thing. 
but yeah, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> it was uh, mm-hmm. just the way she describes. I don't know if we should just say it because again, no one's. I mean, spoiling personas is, is probably not gonna be like a huge deal. But uh, yeah, just the the sexual encounter she had with these uh, young boys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's something so like uh, fecund, it's like something so like uh, not rich, but uh, just like vivid vivid about the whole thing it's also just so interesting that it's it's from the sick like the 60s like how um birth control how much of a well no, well not even just that just like the voice that um bergman gave to these like 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 it was just very it felt very feminine in the way that like a lot of a lot of stuff that at least i've seen in, like of women's characters being shot earlier on is from a very male centric perspective like even if they are talking they're talking from the perspective of how a man would think of a girl talking in that yeah in that tone but like it was just such a, i mean the whole the whole movie is about you know these two women that are maybe the same person and the idea of you know people having personas that they put on and kind of the whole mask that you put on into size. Yeah. So you have to have this rich understanding of the character who is uh, a woman, but it just, it was, it was it didn't feel gross. That's why I thought it was so hot because it yep. was like, it felt so real and she was vulnerable yep. in the way that it happened and her, regretting it and like her you know the idea of abortions back then too just it, i don't know it just felt like it was way ahead of its time like like it it, it reminded like me of mountains of years ahead of its time it kind of reminded me just in the in the tone not really the the content of a flea bag a little bit you know just this like it's also uh this woman describing and you'd see her sexual encounters and it's strange. Like, what do you think it is about? Because I also, I feel this like deep connection to Fleabag uh, and to this, uh, to um, Alma. Oh, by the way, speaking of Fleabag, yeah. um, now it's probably too late, but can't do anything now. Maybe they'll have it online. I don't know. The National Theater Live. She's doing her one did, woman show? Or it's like. One woman show. Like it's a, it's a recording oh, of it. Okay. And watched it in in paradise, and man, it's better than the first, like the record, the, which makes sense. The first season was an adaptation of the one woman show, right? And it is phenomenal. Like it, I, yeah, I, I yeah. can't, I can't understand how. But what is it? But let the somebody. Let, what do you think it is yeah, about? I don't know about the writing that makes you able like in, in in personas maybe it's Bergman you know and like he's actually this is deeply masculine in some sense but but for Fleabag there's certainly something there that I think if it was a guy that was Fleabag I mean obviously there would be different context and well it like wouldn't yeah it wouldn't it work just, it, it wouldn't it, work there's some like yeah if I was a tomato yeah, then yeah I wouldn't be Russian uncle like, what okay yeah no, I know, but what is it? Do you think that uh, makes it so resonate so much? Not just with women, but with with uh, guys. I think it just resonates with humans, right? Like it's just like a very when when something isn't about necessarily 
uh, I don't know, a masculine or feminine thing. It's just a human thing, and the human context is but, what's just so... It, I mean, it obviously is a story about a woman, or there's stories about let, let, men. But on Persona, though, just like, that, like her little, her monologue or her whatever uh, soliloquy about that sexual encounter, it is deeply feminine in the sense that there's something about the idea of, you know, penetration and, and that there that makes it particularly captivating. And uh, I just feel like it, it's, it is about obviously about being human, but there's something about that experience that I don't know why it's like maybe because we're always kind of trying not we, but just um, I'll speak for myself. Like as a man, I'm always trying to understand that perspective, and this is something that somehow feels like I'm I'm almost envisioning myself in that, you know, in the female body. Mm-hmm. Like you felt penetrated. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I got cummed in. <laughs> like <laughs> you are pregnant. Yeah. Um, and I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's it's it's an interesting. Uh, it's very it's ineffable in some sense. Like you just have to watch it, and I wonder if some people would react pretty negatively to that scene. Mm-hmm. I I was just th- I thrown off. I was not expecting anything. I it it also the way that it ended. The only thing that I found frustrating, and I don't know if there's context to it that would make me change my mind but in the middle of the movie i think it was after that there was just this montage randomly of like and before in the, at the beginning too there's like a dick sure, the, the dick that shows up yeah sure but like in the middle of the movie there's that montage mm. of just like fleeting random images and i i he's definitely earned it you know of all of the ways that the movie is interesting and specific and has motifs and like has direct things that you're trying to say and i'm saying that in that if you are just being crazy for crazy's sake it's frustrating that i just didn't understand yeah other than like giving making you feel like giving you a sense of like unease um but i just didn't think it was necessary then um yeah. I don't know. I, I, I was like, I could see how they're morphing into a person and like the metaphysical. Subconscious, like, I think, was the theme too, right? Like these are kind of like subconscious ideas and the whole movie deals with right. that uh, kind of idea of what's yeah, conscious and subconscious. Even the um, the the letter that uh, Elizabeth wrote yep. to um, That she didn't the see. Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And she wrote to the doctor saying that uh elma was major spoiler by the way <laughs> yeah i mean at this well, point if you, if you made it 50 minutes into this podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can say whatever you want to tell your secrets right now yeah, yeah, no one's we can uh, no one's listening yeah, the body's buried in, in the backyard i mean this is probably maybe this is something we'll listen to in like 20 years say hello to say hello to yourself in 20 years hey future do you, any, do you have anything to say i hope you're happy what's your what's your persona gonna be then? <laughs> hey um yeah i yeah I, it was uh that that scene where or that letter where she she wrote 
saying that uh, Alma was growing a, a subconscious attraction to her as well. So like just like the way I, it, made, it made me realize, though, like of all of the different versions of myself in different groups of friends mm-hmm. that I encounter. And as somebody that also just like likes to please people and has enough interest that I can tap into Oh, I'm with people who like sports. Okay, I can talk about sports because I know it'll be easier for them. Oh, I'm with people who you know like love um, cooking. Okay, I'll talk about cooking and movies or whatever. And like there's some kind of mimicking and like some version of acting. And then in res- with respect to like, I I think they had some kind of ideas of depression in the beginning of her being really depressed. That was like the angle that. I imagined that they were going with before, you know, kind of the personalities being melded of when you are just depressed with the world or like cynical, there is this acting job that you have to do or you feel like doing when you are interacting with people. And that was something that was a huge thing that I tried to let go of because it felt so exhausting. I was like going to see an extended family and it was like, oh, my God. Like just this, do I have the answers to the questions that I have to answer? And yeah. like, what kind of smile? Like, can do I know how to smile? Like, I remember having these conversations with myself, and it, it there's there's a definite level of like putting those personas on, um, and you being a collection of all of them, if if there is a, such a thing as the self. Yeah, one thing I thought was also interesting was. So Elizabeth doesn't speak, and she basically is uh, just listens to uh, Alma talk about her life. And one theme, it didn't occur to me when I was watching it, but I read about it afterwards, of uh, Bergman being, he wanted to explore this idea of the silence of God, of uh, Elizabeth essentially being this like godlike uh, figure for Alma, and Alma is kind of praying or, or describing her life and she wants some response and she's like say something and do you remember that one scene where she's threatening to throw the boiling water mm-hmm. on her and she finally says no stop and she says ha you, you you're there like i know you're you, you can mm-hmm. speak but you're not mm-hmm. um and i thought that was an interesting angle as well and i was watching i've been reading these um poems by this guy named charles bukowski who's have you ever heard of this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I read his, I read Ham on Rye. Oh, cool. He has a, I was watching an interview with him and he says, um, you know, the problem is that nature doesn't give a fuck and I give a fuck. <laughs> and it like that for me kind of summarized a lot of Alma's um, perspective. Like she was like, why don't you like fucking say something? Like I'm, I'm spilling my guts here and you mm-hmm. still don't want to talk. Like what's your problem? <laughs> um, and uh yeah i don't know what what do you think of that yeah uh that that whole dynamic was like the whole idea of her not talking um really gave me more than that kind of montage of discomfort if that was trying to accomplish that or the subconscious that made me the most uncomfortable for that reason of not feeling like you're being heard or that that conversation that you have with yourself yourself as like an internal monologue where it's like no one's you're not talking to anybody 
<laughs> no one's no one's listening. Um, yeah, and I, it's funny now. I, I, this wasn't intentional, but I think we can connect this back to my whole like that. You know, the fast stuff is like you're trying to sometimes kind of tell that inner part of you to be like, shut the fuck up. You don't need food. You know, like I know you don't need food. Like I know you want food, but I know you don't need food. Like we can definitely do 48 hours. Like people have done way longer. Um, and this is like constant conversation. Same thing when you run, right? Like that's the whole thing of like, I'm, I can't run. Like this is stupid. Like there's no way I can keep on. And you're just constantly having that conversation. Right. And only it's it's like only one part of you really speaks, and the other part just kind of does stuff. And sometimes, if you really threaten it, there's the yeah, I don't know. But it feels really asymmetric, just like the Alma and Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. The last thing I wanted to say was um, the idea of the persona of Alma, like in that interpretation. And Elizabeth being the the her actual soul, like what she actually feels. She's depressed. She hates her um, kid. She hates that she didn't get an abortion and that he exists. And like the bubbly idea of her being nice and kind, and then kind of breaking down and melding into like existence with her soul when she was separate from everyone. Like when they were they were kind of there together and they were nobody's around, so you're kind of with yourself when you're in kind of isolation in that sense. Um, because that that felt like it was very I don't know. There's this kind of that that mat when you don't put the mask on for long enough, uh, then you can kind of you you get in touch with that sense of your soul um, a little bit more. And maybe it's a little bit more different now because you're never alone with like social media and the internet and the way there's the ways that we're connected. So you're, you might be even putting a mask on when you go on Instagram, like you're, you're in the masked version of yourself in that sense. But like, well, if you were in a cabin in the woods for a while, you don't even um, have to go that far though. Right. Like it doesn't have to be Instagram, even again, not attentional, but connected back to like the phone, you know, why is it so intimate sometimes to not see another person? picture of somebody else is that it's it, like you said it's not it's not the other person it's you it's like i don't want to see myself and there's something weird about um I, I guess instagram is this but there's something more about like the medium of um yeah like uh not having to actually see yourself you can easily kind of access things that otherwise would be much more difficult mm-hmm yeah okay um one last thing i want to talk about so this persona uh, the whole thing i think is named after uh like or this was i think it revealed in an interview or just obvious from the get-go was that this was inspired by carl jung's uh psychoanalysis and uh, this idea of like personas people having uh, personas which is uh like a greek tragedy or greek uh, acting thing like persona meaning mask like dramatis mm-hmm. personae um in in greek theater um and carl jung and also this idea of dealing with uh yourself without so so we talked about how the silence of god but also in this of kind of meaninglessness of 
the death of God or, or kind of if you can't speak to God and you have to come up with meaning by kind of understanding yourself, how does that work? And I feel like this, there's, that's one thing I got like immediately when I was watching it of just kind of, you know, like what, what, what do you care about? How do you discuss that with somebody else? Um, and trying to figure that out without some concrete, you know, moral structure navigating you. Right. And answering back. Yep. 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 Okay. Should we, uh, should we end it there? <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> you brought it up, I guess. I, do you want to say anything about the Carl Jung's persona stuff? Um, or you want to just, yeah, I guess that was pretty abrupt. I don't know if I have anything like really specific to say about Carl Jung, except for, um, you know, he dealt with a lot of unconscious stuff uh, and uh, yeah, I, I actually don't know. I didn't didn't take good enough notes for the specific persona right. thing. He was also he was also Swiss, right? Like he's yeah. But what do you so mean I also? Wonder, what do you mean also Swiss? Uh, is they're Swedish? In, in, or Swedish? S- yeah, yeah, Swedish. Um, is it? You don't say Swiss? Switzerland and wait, sorry, I'm I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like it starts with an S W, so they're the same. No, yeah, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I will. Okay, so one thing I do want to say, if you want to talk about a little bit about the God thing, because I think it might be interesting. Um, well, whatever for us to discuss is the uh, so this like problem of evil and and kind of trying to understand. Um, how uh, I, th- I think part of part of the theme that I got out of watching the movie was was just thinking about um, what is wrong and what is right, or like how do you ascribe you know something to be morally good or morally bad if you've kind of let go of any um, scripture. And one thing I've been thinking a lot about is this idea of. Uh, being like abandoned by somebody uh, and being in a space where you have to like make your own meaning this existentialist idea. And I think that's a lot of it was like Alma's kind of struggle of she's talking to someone who's not talking back and she kind of has to create her own idea of what's good, what's not. She like oversteps her boundaries at some point, like runs after um, Elizabeth and says, no, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to say you were a terrible person, blah, blah, blah. And it's almost like she's speaking to herself and trying to analyze herself. Like what is good? What is bad? What should I forgive myself for? Which I shouldn't forgive myself for. And, and I mean, in the perspective of a caretaker, cause she's supposed to be taking care of this person right? or like taking care of herself. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's like, yeah, you, you're like n- trying to nurture yourself, but also, you know, not baby yourself or not, um, yeah, not to just give yourself too much slack, but also enough slack. Find the balance. The B word. The B word. I, th- I think that's a good place. If we, if we get to the B word somehow naturally, <laughs> that's, we should just quit. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode, this COVID-19 episode of never from concentrate um we hope to be more coherent in future episodes (laughs) 
I don't. <laughs> I, I'm pretty comfortable. That's with that, my, as coherent my as incoherent <laughs> gets. Yeah, uh, my incoherence. Your incoherence is your charm. Uh-huh. All right. That's three, two, one.